Hey folks, so on this podcast we have Dean Roach. Um, Dean and I have played football together through the years, um, from the ages of eight, playing the Italian Challenge down in Hibs, Waterford. So for those of you who remember that tournament, and then also through underage football. We have a similar education path through our undergrad. We both did a, an exercise and health course in the WIT for four years. Dean went on to do a physical therapy course, which he, he practices now, and he has also got a master's. Dean uses an evidence-based approach, so this is so important nowadays that we have these Instagram bloggers and people who really are inept to talk about what they're talking about. So if you want to follow someone who, who really has the science and the knowledge behind something, um, follow Dean, honestly. Uh, the... The username is Precision Health and Performance. Um, on Instagram, it's it's an easy it's an easy search, and they don't throw up any any bullshit. Really, excuse the term, but everything thrown up is evidence based, so you don't need to worry if you if you don't know much about the industry or or about fitness in general or diets. You can you can be assured that there there is no again bullshit in it. So. In this podcast is really interesting. Dean is a really open character. He speaks some about some really good and insightful things and, and approaches that he uses, some really good acronyms. Um, he's not shy of using an acronym. But I really enjoyed this podcast and I, I hope you do too. So yeah, enjoy. Okay, so today we have Dean Roach on Difficult Conversations Made Simple. Dean Roach is a health and fitness coach that has delved into the entrepreneur side of health and fitness and is here to talk about physical activity, nutrition, and his experiences. Dean, welcome, and thank you for taking your time to come on and talk to you. Great, Shane. I really appreciate you asking me, and I'm delighted to be here today, and uh, hopefully I can add a bit of a goal to whatever you're doing at the moment. So, uh, Hopefully it's a good one. Yeah, so the idea is just to get more people talking, like and yourself obviously being, uh, I'd consider you an expert in physical activity and nutrition. Your your Instagram feed is very good and very knowledgeable and it's evidence-based. It's not just um, bro science per se. So Dean, could you just tell us a little about yourself and why you agreed to come on and do the podcast? Uh, so uh, as Shane said, my name is Dean Roach. I actually own a gym here in Waterford City in Ireland called uh, Precision Health Performance or PHP for short. Um, I started back in the industry nearly a decade ago at this stage and recently finished a master's in physiology. So um, that would be my background in it. I went from coaching in different CrossFit gyms with teams and everything like that and eventually wanted my own. And in terms of wanting to come on today, um, it's been a goal of mine to start my own podcast, but it's a, it's a nice little ease way into it to be able to get on someone else and be able to chat to them. Hopefully be able to give some cool insights. Um, and as Shane said, uh, I kind of try and take an evidence-based approach to most of what I do. So it's nice to be able to put that across to more people too. 100% Dean. And uh, we do go way back as well. <laughs> yeah, we go way back as well. So it's nice. Way back to under eleven playing football with Hibs. Um, I'm just going to get in here, Dean, and start off. So, like, what would be your opinion around stigmas such as like um, real men don't cry or be a man or don't be such a wuss? Uh, I, I think that's very topical, to be honest with you. Um, and I think it, it it comes from old knowledge, if you want to call it that. And I think it's from uh, parents, parents, and parents, 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 and those decades decades ago that men should be the people to go out and earn the living and men should be the ones that should have the strong face towards everything and it's, it's not a man to not stand up for yourself and it's not a man even uh, to be a, a bisexual or a gay or anything like that and I think um, it's really 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 interesting my own opinion on it is I think uh, men the real men who are in touch with their emotions and that they can uh, express them fully if you want to cry, it's probably good to cry. And if you want to get angry, it's good to get angry. And uh, it, it's not wrong to show those emotions. I think it's more of a healthy version, if you want to call it that, to be able to express them either to your friends, your family, or even to yourself through meditation or something along those lines. So 
So uh, the idea that a man isn't a man because they they cry is a uh, uh, would be something that I would portray at all. It's as you said, like it's generational, and the more we go on, the more we see, especially even in our age group, is very different to the age group of maybe 16, 17, 18 year olds coming through now, where they have different experiences and different exposure to different type of males. Now, as you said, like coming out either gay or trying different things or, you know, so it is, it is a generational thing. And do you ever think it will stamp out or do you think it's ingrained in society, especially among men to stay there for the long term? It's one of those things I don't think will ever go. Um, it's like anything. Uh, you'll have guys who love soccer, you'll have guys who love hurling. You'll have hurlers who are soccer players who hate hurling. You'll have the guys who do both. Um, you'll have the people who understand both sides. You'll have, uh, see the man who says crying makes you a man. And you have the, the man who says that you know crying doesn't make you a man, that you have to be aggressive and all-powerful. Uh, it's that like masculinity thing. You know? it's, like, it's not masculine, as you said, to, to cry. It's a really interesting thing. If you go into a room, you can probably tell who the alpha male is, and it's, it's not the person who's the loudest or the biggest. It's usually the person who's the quietest. And uh, for me, that was something I experienced from my own coaching with teams. It's the, the alpha male for me would be the person who's willing to dedicate the most and, and express his emotions and stuff like that. But in terms of will it die off, I really don't think so. I think it's definitely going to be something that will always be around. The presence of it will always be around. Um, you know, people are conditioned from a young age. And if you're around a man who's like the same thing as you were saying, trying to portray the fact that if you cry, if you fall, you hit your knee, you cry, you're not a man. And if that goes the whole way through, more than likely that, that person is going to do the same to his son. It's just that conditional effect that happens over time. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. research on different areas of it. And I'm sure we'll talk about it fairly soon. Bobo Doll experiment is a great one. And uh, in that, the details, a parent who went into a room and was told to beat up what those like spring back dolls. So if you hit it, it springs back towards it. There was kids watching their parents in the room. And what happened was the kids weren't told to do anything else, went into the room. All of a sudden, they started kicking the doll. So they, they said that the kids were learning from what the parents were doing. So if you portray something across to the kids, more than likely they'll pick up. So um, if you portray it, more than likely the kid will catch it. Interesting, interesting you're saying that. Um, even now you see things like about like uh, Black Lives Matter and they're saying, you know, no one's born a racist. So things do develop from such a young age and it's important that now maybe we challenge ourselves that bit more to um, have our kids be more open, uh, especially emotionally open. Um, I just want to go on to the next question, Dean. What do you find is the biggest barrier among men to talk about their feelings? I actually think it's a social thing, to be honest with you, my best friend, and I see him as being this all masculine man that, you know, never cry a day in his life and seeing him fight, if you want to call it that, and I'd be like, she's, he's never felt a wife. More, I could probably feel secluded and pushed away from being able to talk about how I feel. So I think it's one of those things that you have to, either as a parent or as a friend or whoever, make sure that your friends or your uh, children know that um, you can talk to them about these things and, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of barrier. And, and it can start eating you up, I suppose. But I think the biggest barrier is communication between your peers and your family and other relationships that are around that, whether it's your actual partner or whether your son, you know. So wicked interest. And I think there's, there's too, I think there's too much around the topic itself to say this is the way it should be. It's not black or white. It's not grey. There's every colour of the rainbow in terms of what makes a man, you know. And say for listeners who are listening <clears throat> and they say like, geez, I'd love if my friends would come to me and talk. How, how do you think we might be able to challenge ourselves and not even just say like, talk to me, but just put out that vibe that you are open. Like I, I can even tell by talking to yourself, you are open. How, but how do we put out that vibe to say, come talk to me if you need without overly going into it? Because obviously men are so uncomfortable around the topic and dance around it and wouldn't want to delve in and just say hey Dean uh, you look like you're struggling or you know come talk to me if you're ever down like it, it's it's not as easy for some men to come out and say things like that so um, it's something I, I, I think I learned from doing physical therapy that um, when a person's on your bed and they feel comfortable uh, a lot of things start to come out and I, I can't actually tell you some of the stories that I have just because of confidentiality but um, I've heard a lot of things 
that you, you wouldn't expect even a person to say. So people who come to me wouldn't even know me. And the things that they would tell me would be something that you'd expect them to say to their partner. And then I think if you were to revert that back to a friendship scenario, um, how can you make them feel comfortable? It's one of those things, like, what does your friend actually know about you? How does he know? So if I meet my best friend later in life in college, uh, he doesn't know anything about my childhood. So he doesn't know where I came from, how mm. I read or anything like that. So it might be something so subtle as just telling one little key fact about your life that not many people know. So I came from a, a house where my mother and father were separated and um, my stepfather used to be, as an example, not saying that it was me, but that could make the person, your friend, feel more comfortable to talk about whatever might be on his mind. Um, yeah. So I think it is definitely a comfort thing, you know. That's just it, like, um, say for even oneself that might find a, say if we were best friends like it's almost too awkward to talk to you about some of the things so maybe going to a, a counselor or your personal trainer or whoever just to confide in because mm-hmm. they need not know all your details but you can tell them and you know they won't really judge you because they don't know your background to judge you so i think that's interesting and um, the next thing i'm going to go on just because um, you are a health and fitness expert as i would say um, how can physical activity improve one's mental health? Is it just exercise or is it a culmination of different variables? What happens during these engagements, during physical activity and the mind? Um, I think it, it can be sport dependent as well. So like if you look at boxing as being an individual sport, you do all the training by yourself. Sometimes you get secluded. We go into a box room that's pitch black and we sit. If you have no partner or no relationship or a person to confide in, you're again your own thoughts in your sitting room or wherever you are. So I think in terms of physical activity, um, if you look at dopamine responses and actually what happens on a hormonal level, serotonin, and um, the endorphins that come, as I said, dopamine, um, it can create a really positive effect and give you that happy feeling directly after training. And uh, even people who suffer from pain, get them to move as much as possible. And it's a common thing that I like to say is that motion is lotion. And it's not only for our, our joints and our muscles, it is for our brain power too. And that's why you see researchers and productivity will go up with your exercise and you'll think better in cognitive function and all this type of thing. Um, so if I was to say the effect of like physical activity and that, I think it's dependent on what environment you put yourself into. And you know it yourself. And if you're around a team environment that is egotistical, that you have two, four or five lads on a team of 15 players that are the boys, if you want to call it that, that all of a sudden you want to try and fit in with the boys. You don't fit in the boys because, oh, you're not tall enough, you're not big enough, you're not hardy enough, you're not able to talk the lingo. The unfortunate thing is I end up getting caught around nerds like me who talk sports science the whole time. So uh, we don't really talk too much about emotions, we only talk about the science of why they happen. But, but it's, um, it's important it is, that we don't try just fit into any group circle, just find ourselves, like I find if you just be yourself that you will just find your own niche group and you need not chase the four or five cool fellas because in a squad of 15, there's 11 others that you can't fit in with. Exactly. And if you look at the, the laws of majority, uh, 11 is way more than five, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And those 11 are borderline cool enough to be able to fit in the group. And if you really realistically break it down, few people will never, and you'll probably have five or six that might, and then you'll have two or three that are like, might, might. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it, is, it is definitely an interesting one. As you said, the dopamine and serotonin levels, um, mm. we know that from a science point of view after doing our courses that it does increase. So it's not just a, a made-up thing. Like it's, it's science that like yeah. physical activity can improve your mental health. 100%, 100%. And the idea of you know, being yourself, if you, you go down the realm of energies and stuff like that, it'd be something that I would think about myself. That if you are your own being, that light poles will attract anyway. So you'll only surround yourself with the people that you feel suit you. And once you become in touch with those things, you, you can walk into a room and you look at a person, they're just like, I actually, I can't be around you, you know? And it's happened to me a couple of times where I start off with clients and you're, you're just like, you're there. And it's just like, something doesn't feel to click. And then you get the clients that you, you just, you, no matter what you do, you could call them every name on their son, they'll just come back and you, you just fit, like, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a really funny one. Like yeah. that's the human connection, and each person is so variable. Um, Dean, you come across as like so incredibly positive and have such a great outlook. I, I really like everything you post and put out there, and it's all science based. That's what I like the most. But I, even I like 
I could never imagine you being down or having a difficult time. Do you find that it's plausible for you to speak to your mates when you're down or having a bad day in general? Uh, so for me, it's a really funny one. I have a lot of acquaintances and I have very few friends. Um, and as a, like, I, I have a lot of connections with people and connections with people for different reasons. Um, but I do, and it, it is a funny one, and it was only me and my partner were talking about it last night. Uh, she asked me, do you ever feel lonely? I said, yeah, it's like I could be sitting in the gym and there could be however many people there that I could ask to go out for a drink. There's not one person there I could turn around and say, look, I, I'm actually upset such and such things going on with my mother. Like, I, I don't have too many of those people and the people that I do, I could definitely confide in them. But some people are in different countries and some people are here, there and everywhere. And it's, it's, it's a wicked, it, it, it's, what's the best way of putting it? It's, um, like a social network for yourself. It's not continuing. Yeah, that's exactly it. So my, my, uh, it would be me confiding in my partner and me confiding in my family rather than confiding in my friends. Uh, and even at that, I'd be very passive. I, I, I'd let everything build up and it all comes out all at once. So uh, it's definitely, uh, I wouldn't be the perfect or prime example for that one. No, but it's, it's so important. And every time I notice you go back to speaking to your partner and that's so important that we have that person that we can confide in and blurt everything out on our minds and it just helps alleviate it. And you actually find the next day, like you wake up happier. Oh, 100%. And as you said, like, I am a very positive person um, and I do put the best foot forward. But, you know, we're all human at the end of the day and there's always going to be that one thing that will either frustrate us or create that negative thought in our mind. And, and it's just being strong enough and resilient enough. And I think the most, the strongest people and most manly men, if you want to call it that, reverting back to that question, those who experienced the most when they were younger and had to overcome the most. And then, you know, they become, as I said, more resilient. Um, and that's probably why I'm a bit more passive because I would have seen things and done things when I was younger that I suppose most kids wouldn't have. And then you find the people who you should talk to and how you should talk to them and how you create the environment for other people to talk to. You know, it's, it is, uh, I, lo- I, I prefer it that way. I almost prefer being the mediator for everyone else and accepting it and, and showing them how to come around it rather than me being the person to go to other people. But I do have uh, that support network, you know. Yeah, 100%. Um, you've worked in many like uh, CrossFit kind of genre gyms and um, a lot of the things I remember when Waterford Warriors first came out, like people were nearly mocking it that like they do like high fives or they congratulate each other and they encourage um, each other after the workouts. Um, but yeah. you, you have that great sense of camaraderie in CrossFit. Uh, but as you said, it's still very difficult, even though you're so close, to have that person where we can talk to or it just shows how difficult it can be like as you said you might have acquaintances but actually having that person is it's not easy right yeah for sure for sure and that fist bump you're, you'd actually be amazed some days that i i, I meet people and uh, and they've said it to me it's like you smiling at me and you fist bump me on the entrance in was the difference of my day and it became the best hour of my day being in the gym I'd love, to, I'd love to research things like that, you know, so, social psychology and the effects of things like that. So the smile on entry from us as a coach and how our tone affects your tone. And then does a fist bump and me remember your name and me asking about, does it, does it, does it, there's a little type of thing that I use for it and I can never remember the T, so don't call me on it. So I always like knowing people's family, their occupation, their relationships. And then um, I, I, I always forget the T, but it's basically around how much time they've put into either the job occupations with their partner and uh, time into training and all those type of continuance. And then you end up creating a rapport with them. And then they actually, those clients are the ones that if I can create that connection, are the ones who can come to me then later if they do have issues like that. And that's, so, uh, it, it, if you, want to, you can rob that one if you want. <laughs> I have it written down. Um, but that's so interesting because, you know, People do struggle with either weight loss or weight training or whatever it may be. So just having yourself. I know like if I came to your gym and you gave me a fist bump and you go, well, Shane, how is um, whatever I'm doing? You know, how's college? How's the podcast? How's whatever? Just something personal. It creates that like real close engagement that this person not Mm. only feels comfortable, but they're going to be retained Mm. in this gym and they're going to reap the benefits of physical activity and camaraderie and 
Like, you know, it's, it's great because exactly. people do look up to their personal trainers or their coaches at times, you know. Mm. Exactly, 100%. And I think the, even the word coach gets thrown around a little bit too much. There's a big difference between a, a, an exerciser and a coach, you know. Um, and it's very humbling when you, you realize the difference. You know, someone who brings people in, not going to slay any style of trainer that, but someone who brings in and it ends up being the timekeeper rather than someone who comes in, as I said, creates a relationship with the client, knows that such and such person usually breaks down two or three days before a period and that you can create the strategies for her to come over. And that's coaching that, you know. And then during training, can you, same, same scenario, that person two or three days beforehand that's feeling a little bit weaker, can you get her psychologically through those as, as a coach? Programming can be the best thing ever, but there's so many more elements to it, like, you know. Do you find some male um, male participants coming to your classes are more resilient of, like, being more open with yourself as opposed to women? Could men challenge yourselves more to be more open? Or what, what trends would you see with male and female um, participants in your classes? Um, <laughs> funnily, my, my, my gym is uh, probably female dominant, um, and I, I definitely have a better looking coach than me, so don't be looking at me. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I find that the men who are in my gym, and I think it's the environment that I have for creating, because we live on a philosophy of three different things, being happy, humble, and hungry. So we're hungry to be, progress ourselves, whether it's physically, mentally, or um, any version that you want to put it down as. We're always uh, happy. So we come into the gym, we as coaches try and create an atmosphere where I am portraying positivity, if you want to call it that. We try not make it a fake energy because that's the environment we want. If I walk into my gym, I'm actually happy to be there. Mm-hmm. And then the humble thing, so happy, hungry, humble, uh, happy, hungry, and humble. The humble aspect then is trying to leave the ego at the door. So ego be- tends to become the killer. So even if I can snatch 120 kilos, I'm not going to turn around to the person who snatches 60 kilos and be like, oh, I bet you in the Metcon today. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't put any names on the board. There's no competitive aspects. Post your scores if you want. It's not on me. I want you to come in, maximize your efforts, be happy here, be hungry to progress, and be humble about your scores. And I think that then goes across into the men. So any men who are in my gym can express their feelings to me. So if they're, And it's the same with all my clients. If they're unhappy with the price of membership, they come to me. If they're unhappy about how we're facilitating the classes, they come to me. And I've, I've, I've been around the men who come to me and start talking about their relationships and start venting to me. And I love it, you know. So I, I think that's a top-down thing that if you are challenging men, you challenge them, to, in my eyes, to be men, you know, talk about their feelings go in, become physically active, make the best version of themselves and everything along those lines. So I, I personally wouldn't see it anymore in terms of the difference between men and women. But previously, I would have said women were better than men. And that's just down to, if a girl is upset, she'd cry. And that's not me being stereotypical. It's just from my own experience. Men, if they're upset, they'll probably get angry because they're hiding the emotion rather than expressing the emotion. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's but. interesting you talk about your philosophy because uh, similar to yourself, we both did a four-year uh, course in the WIT on exercise and health. And mm. nothing, nothing in that course is taught about the philosophy that you have there to actually help people to grow and love the gym because, you know, people can motivate mm. themselves after January and stuff and come to the gym, but... Um, like having a top-down approach like you said can help retain people mm. so it's, it's so important and like that approach I was going to ask you is is that something you'd like to see more in different gyms or have you seen it before or is it just something you've learned over time and um, does that help retain well I definitely can't take credit for that my own coach um, and if you check out his Instagram Crossbabu is his name and his own name then is Jamie Lawler uh, hands down, probably in terms of coaching, most gifted man I've met in terms of combining SNC knowledge with the approach to the client and being able to build rapport. Never met a man like it. Uh, so I have seen it before, and he was my eye opener to that idea. Mm-hmm. And then, it, in terms of how he expressed my, to create my vision, and he he said three things to me. It was like, you need to educate your clients, you need to inspire them, and you need to entertain them. You create those three things along with the happy, hungry, humble approach. 
you can create that philosophy. There's another interesting guy called Ben Bergeron, and he has five things that he would portray. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he does have them in his book. But that's how my coach created his tree. And then the entertain, educate, inspire would be kind of crossword orientated. You have an acronym for, philosophy for everything is so important that like we have educated coaches like yourself when people are talking to me about um, being more active or um, nutrition or anything. Yeah. I say, if you're going to follow a, yeah. an Instagram page, I always say, go to Dean Roach. You know, he's not after doing a yeah. week's course or, you know, you have the science behind yeah. it. And that's, that's something I always refer to. It. And it's so important that we don't just pluck these ideas yeah. out of the sky and just go run with them because people can be so easily misled, male or female, you'd be surprised the the paucity of knowledge mm-hmm. out there. So um, it's, it's great to have someone like yourself. Yeah. But Dean, I want to talk about your, your new business venture. So um, you've came from being a graduate of exercise and health, uh, started working in a CrossFit gym, I remember that, uh, went to Watford Warriors, and then you did a master's in physiology. How, how was this journey for you and how has it been? So even between finishing my degree, I ended up doing a, a neuromuscular physical therapy course. And so I did that. And then I ended up conducting research in physiology, so for my master's, so wasn't a taught master's. And in terms of my journey, it's probably been very enlightening, if I was going to say that. I've been through, and I've seen a lot of different things, and I won't talk about any people that I've worked for, but I saw what it is to be a great business person. I saw what it was to be a great people person, and I saw the person in between. And... For me, I always wanted to be the, the, the people person and please everybody. And I think people who are the business people like left that idea. Um, but my journey brought me to where I am now through college and everything like that. And it was like you meet the people that gave you those enlightening experiences throughout that when I was in college, it was always three or four lecturers that I, I, I found I enjoyed more. And then when I was doing the neuromuscular therapy, there was elements of it that resonated with me better. And then as I was doing my master's, it was like, what can I use this for? And it was like different elements resonate from different things. And the experiences through my life and my jobs and stuff like that, it, it kind of gave me a really, really different and broad outlook on it. And I think that's why when I met Jamie, my coach, I think about two and a half years ago now, it was just like, it's, 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 it's that connection that I was always looking for. Like, you know, I had never found before. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's hard to explain it. My journey has been probably, I, I, I'm not, def, I'm definitely not the crow flies straight line. I've made a couple of loops. I've been stuck on roundabouts for a couple of months. Uh, I have to know what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, how I wanted to do it. And I think uh, I, you can say, I know I, I appreciate you saying that I'm very evidence-based. Uh, in terms of what I do, but um, it's it's a funny one. Uh, if I talk about the sliding filament theory on uh, Instagram, I don't think I get one like. But mm. then I go around and say, uh, "Oh, CrossFit is a load of shit." Part of my language. Uh, yeah. People would absolutely love it. Like you know, so yeah. it's a really funny one. Um, it is definitely a really funny one, and I learned that along my journey that I have to simplify things for people because they don't think the way I would think as well. So it's um. interesting. It's definitely interesting. Like we could go on all day about social media, but what I wanted to say there when you're speaking is that like it's so important that you're humble enough to expose yourself and always be open to learning. No matter how much you think you know, you can always learn more and challenge yourself to like and be more open and mm-hmm. learn more and be a better coach or be a better person in general. Like so, mm-hmm. it's interesting that you said like your journey has been like and uh, not as the crow flies, but like that's perfectly okay as well and it's important that we do expose ourselves to Mm. different situations and almost gather a culmination of um, information and grow from there have you any advice for people who may be afraid to venture out into business is specifically the the fitness world oh man it it is one of the scariest things you'll ever do and the worries that come with are you know it, it can it can be crippling you know but it's it's just one of those things that you weigh up you weigh up what is the outcome and what is it's going to take. So like to open a gym, you have the costs and everything like that. Um, but 
you then get to help more people on any given day. Me as a personal trainer, me as a physical therapist, if I work 24 hours in the day, I'll see 24 people. If I teach a strength and conditioning class, I can see 24 people in two hours. Yeah. So for me, it, 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 it wasn't about the money, it was about helping people. So I wanted to help more people in a shorter period of time and then create that philosophy of those two things, happy, hungry, humble with people and educate, entertain, entertain and inspire. And I just needed to find a way to do that more. And so the risks are, okay, look, it fails. And that's fine. You can accept failure. You can't learn unless you fail, no matter what the scenario. I have to try and kick a ball and miss it more times than I kick it to learn how to kick it properly. I have to fall when I run to be able to get back up and run faster. So I would, I would definitely, if, you, if it's something that you want to do, I would just say take the risk, you know. Step off the cliff. The worst thing that happens is it fails, you know. Um, if anyone does want to have a chat with me, aren't at that, and my experiences, I'd happily have a conversation with them. I'd be pretty open about those things. Wow. Uh, my route to where I got to and how I did it. Um, but, you know, right now I'm not the 350 member successful CrossFit gym or anything like that. I'm still building, um, but I'm more of a quality over quantity and I always will be. And with this, this, this gym world, like you'll have people come in and out every month. You'll have people that will leave and come. And it's just about can you stick to what your new moral beliefs are? Are you going to be the business person? Are you going to be the people person? Are you going to be somewhere in between? We all want flashy cars, but your vision flashy. and be ready to be humble at any moment that people will come and go and it's not something personal or it's just it's just how the world works. It's just business, to be honest. Exactly, exactly. hundred percent. Be ready to be humble because there is a person out there better than you. Mm-hmm. For everything. We you know? We spoke about uh, physical activity and the mind and serotonin and melatonin. But how can being properly nourished, uh, we hear it more and more, and it's after trending in the last maybe 20 years, how can that help you mentally? Oh, simple fact. Like you sit down, um, I, 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 I could put it as a bloating. So if you sit down and eat food, you feel bloated, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to sit down and feel sorry for yourself. Like, you know, mm-hmm. And that's the unfortunate truth. Uh, you go off and eat a load of vegetables, load of good, clean cut meats, and eat a load of like positive carbohydrates. You want to call that, even though I wouldn't feel there's negative ones. Uh, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel like you have energy. You, have, you know, you don't need 700 milligrams of caffeine to get yourself through the day. So, like, correct nourishment is going to do a lot for your body in you know digestive tract, hormone levels, everything like that. I suppose if you go scientific as you really want to about it even up as far as like your HPA axis. Like if you're not consuming enough energy through your diet, you're going to start craving something else. And our brain and our nervous system is more powerful than we'll ever be. Mm-hmm. So like if you're, you're looking for something, you're missing something. If you're really hungry, eat, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, eat to satisfy, not until full. If you're tired, sleep, you know, don't be the person. And I've been in the trap myself that you're working an 18 hour day or a 19 hour day you get five hours sleep and you're just like, why am I tired? <laughs> you know, it's just like, what, what's the elephant in the room? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, 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 I fully believe like in terms of mental health and how you're feeling, well-being alone, nourishment is such a, such a, such a key factor. Less, you know? less is often more like sometimes we push ourselves so much, but obviously there are certain situations in life like yourself venturing out into a new business, being a coach or yeah. uh, physical activity and, um, or, uh, physical therapist like sometimes life just yeah. throws us curveballs and we have to go with it but there are things we can do we can limit yeah. the damage you know yeah, just even taking omega-3 mm. or vitamin d or vitamin c or whatever micronutrients if we can't get it in the diet take supplements if you yeah. really struggling for sleep yeah so like you know you can create as many we were talking about strategies earlier so like if you have a sleep issue you know you can get the blue like blocking glasses you can turn off uh, LED screens. You can get FDF flux on your laptop. You can get blackout curtains. You can take melatonin, uh, melatonin before you sleep. Mm-hmm. You can do all these strategies and stuff like that. If you eat a Christmas dinner like most of us do, what's the first thing that you do? want to do when you're finished? You want to sit down and sleep so you can put yourself into carb comas. So timing of carbohydrates is important. Timing of fats is important. Fats will uplift us and give us energy and put us into a more cognitive state. And that's what the whole thing behind ketosis and stuff like that. So, you know, like it, it, it can, 
depending on where you are at the day and time and stuff like that, what you eat can affect those things too. And as you said, like if I'm not consuming enough fruits and I'm not consuming enough leafy green, green vegetables, I'll probably need some more iron. I'll probably need some more micronutrients such as vitamin Cs. Um, more than likely in a country like Ireland, we can't absorb any of the vitamin D from the sun from one part of the year to the other part. So you only can really get it from like, I think it's May until August or something like that. Or May until September. Yeah, May until August or September is the only time we can actually absorb from the sun. So we need it every other time, like, you know? Yeah, 100%. And just going on that, like, what would be your opinions for people who um, are struggling and they think medicine might be better for from a doctor for mental health as opposed to being more active and eating more healthily? I'm probably going to be a little bit controversial here. Uh, and there's actually a really, really good documentary on Netflix. Uh, I can't remember the name, of it, but I'll talk about that in two seconds. You have to remember, most doctors probably have shares in some form of company that they prescribe medication for. Or some company is being like, hey, look, we'll give you X amount if you prescribe our drug. You're seeing this amount of people per annum. Like in most countries, uh, well, I'm going to use Ireland as an example because I know it's here. They could see 100 people in a day. Paracetamol as an example. Pfizer. GSK companies create uh, paracetamol. Mm-hmm. So if I'm supplying Pfizer, GSK has a cheaper brand. Why am I supplying Pfizer? Because they're probably paying me. So you have to remember, like, are they doing it for your well-being and your positive outcome? Are they their paycheck at the end of the day? So like, you think about how much time they spend with you, probably 15, 20 minutes. They're getting 60, 80 quid per go, per pop, 20 minutes for so. Are they taking the time to, to know you, know the bigger picture? Because six to eight minutes, I wouldn't know anyone in six to eight minutes, no matter how many times I see him a month or a, yeah. or a week. Exactly. You'd want it seven times in the week, six minutes ago, to even learn their name properly. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it's, it's, very funny. it's very funny to me. Like, so if I wanted to learn somebody, I want to figure out how they're reacting to things. So as an example, to convince me I'm a doctor, Oh yeah, here I want you to take warfarin because uh, you need blood thinner and you have atherosclerosis. Perfect. Why not go off to the person, get them to write down the food that they eat and take out the common denominator? Like, oh yeah, you're having too much saturated fat in the diet. Like for me, that's that's common knowledge, and doctors don't do it. So do they? Do they really care? They never push the pill for me, which is exercise and nutrition. Yeah, so so important, and you only see maybe one doctor I know, Doctor Mark Rowe, who pushes physical activity and nutrition. He, I spoke to him one day, and he was saying um, he done a TEDx talk in UCD or Trinity or one of those anyway, and he said he was introduced as the doctor uh, trying to put himself out of business. <laughs> I like that. I actually really like that. There's a another interesting guy, Brendan Egan, up in um, UCD. And he became known as the keto guy only because he implemented uh, endogenous. Is it endogenous or exogenous? And I get confused between the both. Is it exogenous where you take it from outside sources and endogenous is within the system? So he's supplementing uh, exogenous. You're right, whichever one you go, Dean. So, oh, my lingo. <laughs> I'm going too far. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, he was supplementing with like ketone sauce and stuff like that with older adults and see what effect it had on muscle mass. So he became known as the keto guy, and he was like, I never want to be known as keto guy. I'm the everything guy. I would much prefer implement a strategy that has a perfect, no perfect diet, but has a nice balance of all um, macronutrients and micronutrients rather than just a diet. Would you say, Dean, then that going to a doctor should almost be the last resource we do? We should go to a, a fitness professional or a dietitian or a nutritionist first and look at ourselves, our patterns, our sleep patterns, our diet, how much we're actually exercising and give that all a try first. And if we're still struggling, then like some people, we don't know what's going on in some people's head, right? And it's it's not to discipline yeah. anyone from going to a doctor if they need to or if they need that resource or like it, it's there for them so they, they can utilize it. But um, you think that should be a last step? We should try all the other denominators first. I'm, I don't want to critique a practice in itself. Like, mm-hmm. like it's like being called a physiotherapist. People would be like, oh, I went to a physiotherapist and it didn't work for me. Physiotherapy is not um, a style of manual work. Do you know, physiotherapy is a practice. 
being a general practitioner, you're a general practitioner. Like, there's nothing wrong with going to a doctor and turning around, like, I need my bloods done. I want to see what my cortisol, testosterone, uh, interleukin-6, all these hormones are like. And if they say that they don't do them, more than likely you have too much knowledge about them. So I would find a doctor where if I went into it, I was like, okay, this is my work schedule. This is my training schedule. This is how I'm eating. This is how I'm doing that. And they want to know that information. Find a doctor like that where they'll be happy for you turn around to you and be like, okay, you need to go and see a naturopath and find out something that you can implement, like a rhodiola rose, a rose, rhodiola rose, or just uh, as an adaptogenic. And that's all you could need, but they should know. So I'm not going to say that you shouldn't go to a doctor as a last resort. You should pick the person that you feel is going to help you the most overall. Mm-hmm. So the person will ask you the hard questions. Are you sleeping? No. What's your diet like? Crock of shit. Are you physically active an hour a week? And then, you know, like how many hours of work, of work do you do a week? 60. Like there's, there's four commonalities there that will help you, one, relieve stress, feel but overall, stop you from feeling like you, you need to talk to people. You know? and 100%. So it, it, it's, it's, it's not that I feel it's the last resort. It's more that I would say it's the last resort because of my experiences with doctors. Yeah. So like... Yeah, and as you said, it's all about our experiences. So, like, the thing you said there is mm. it's about the people we have around us, right? So, like, if I'm going mm. to a gym, just any gym in the world, imagine whatever, like, it would depend on that person whether I yeah. really fall in love with physical activity or I, or I just say, no, physical activity wasn't for me. So, it's important that we do acknowledge uh, yeah. people are nearly more important than the practice. Yeah. And a, a good person can, like, really... Mm really get us involved or motivated or engaged to help ourselves and also retain good habits. Just last question, Dean, Um, any advice for men similar to yourself who may be afraid to say it to a close friend uh, or anyone, a relative or whoever may be, anyone struggling mentally, just but afraid to just get the words out of their mouth? Um, Probably my advice would be what I suggested earlier. It's, It's like you're trying to, if you're going fishing, you're going to probably, you know, throw out a little bait, you know. So can you bait people into seeing if you're able to talk to them? So, again, you might suggest something small in retrospect to how you're feeling. And if they bait in and it's like actually make it seem like they want to talk to you and find out more, then I'd be like, look, go for it then. Talk to that person. Can you express your feelings to them? More than likely you can. But if you can, if you bait them out and they're like, uh, you shouldn't, you know, and then they give you your opinion rather than making you feel more comfortable about your situation. I would probably like try someone else, mm-hmm. um, but I would I would not hold it on their chest. It's like anything, uh, a talk can kill us at the end of the day. So if you can get your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts out, you'll feel better overall. Um, but I would definitely base out people a small bit, and I know that's a hard thing to say, but. I hate to be talking to Tommy down the road there and I think he's my best friend and I turn around and I say, oh, look, my missus cheated on me and you're with her for 15 years and it's like, I'm really debating whether I'm staying with her or not and he's just like, ah, no, blah, 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 whatever and yeah. take, totally not taking into account that you have three kids, you're together 15 years, you're married five years, you have a house and all these things. So, you know, finding the right person, baiting them out in the right way and, and knowing you're able to talk to them that's, and talk that's- to that person would be one for me. That's such a good approach to, and not like as harsh as it sounds to bait people out, but like I think yeah. if people do that who are struggling to find who they can talk to about these things, but some people just want to talk about, mm. man, there's nothing wrong with it, as we all know. But it's interesting yeah. to just try out some bait, and you know, you might a type person might just say, Oh, geez, would you stop now going on about that? I can't be listening, and then b type person would be really like consider it and talk you through it and say, um, look, have you tried this or exactly. what else is going on or, you know, and no, like this, the, the yeah. thing about this podcast is that like, we're, we're not preaching anything. We're just saying, these are things that can work for you and um, give them a go. And who knows the yeah. results you might receive back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's no right. There's no wrong. And it's like asking somebody, it's like, I could, I could tell you one story. My partner, I'll tell you another story. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle, you know? Mm-hmm. suggest something someone else suggests something else but the truth is usually in the middle you know there's no right approach there's no wrong approach 
And that's, that's something I was going to ask. Like, how do people get the right source? But I suppose if we educate ourselves enough and watch enough, we'll, we'll eventually be able to educate ourselves and find the right sources that um, suit, suit us or make sense scientifically or even just mentally or spiritually or whatever it may be. Exactly, yeah. And it, it, it's a really hard thing, you know, to, to pull yourself through the, the shit, if you want to call it that. I wouldn't be looking to Instagram uh, all of the time for your answers to all things mental health, well-being, physical activity, and nutrition. There are some very, very you know, phenomenal pages that are on Instagram, don't get me wrong, but um, there's a lot of Joe Soaps, if, if you want to call them that, that, oh yeah, car- carbs are the devil. It's like, no, oh yeah, you shouldn't eat sugar. And I'm like, uh, if you really want to be scientific about it, every form of carbohydrate is a form of sugar. So you're telling me not to eat carbohydrates. Oh, do you know, uh, coffee will dehydrate you. It's like, uh, it's not the caffeine that, de- you know, it's not the coffee that dehydrates you, it's something else. So like, it's very, very hard to, to distinguish between that. But the more you listen to, I'm going to say the right people, and you know the right people because they want to give out content and not want you to buy something. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but the people who are happy to give out information, information they've learned, They've learned it a particular way, either through college or through reading. Mm-hmm. And they're putting their thoughts out on it and not trying to sell you an ebook or anything like that. So I put my hand up and say, yes, exactly. I put my hand up and say, now, at the end of the day, I am going to become a businessman and probably go down that route. But Lane Norton, as an example, puts out phenomenal information about nutrition. He does sell products, but he doesn't push products in every video that he puts up. You know, he's not selling a skinny tea to make a quick book. So... Mm-hmm. It is a hard one, you know, um, but you will start, if you if you try to diet, it didn't work, and you went back to ground one as a nutritionist, then I would not recommend that person. If the person can pretty much get three key facts across to you, accountability, consistency, and adherence, then more than likely that would be something that's sustainable for you. And it doesn't have to be, oh, I want to be 50 kilos and I'm 62. Take four years to do it. Use three kilos a year. Have a pizza every weekend. Be happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't lose it in two two weeks, and you know, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely disaster. And then you end up putting off fourteen kilos. Like it, it looks, and, that, and that's it. Looks good for a before and after on Instagram, but you, like your mental health could yeah. be really suffering, especially like you know, if you, I, I know, we all like to indulge in different things, whatever it may be, crisps yeah. or whatever, like. But they're little alleviators, and it's important that we don't preach too much about cutting everything out of our diet. And making something more exactly. like what is the rush to lose weight if you're if you're on a goal and you can yeah. change your lifestyle rather than go on a keto diet or a paleo or whatever kind of diet yeah. it's about yeah. a, a culmination of a, a better lifestyle and slow changes are more more suitable for people 100 percent, 100 percent. you know and it, it's something so interesting i have conversation with my own clients all the time like oh my waist stay the same it's like yeah but you also lost four inches on your waist in the last two weeks and i'm like can you not see that positive like you know Mm -hmm. and you also have been eating protein pancakes every single day and you've been eating all hell on toast and like you know so i must be i'd be way happier on that rather than oh yeah chicken and broccoli again and salmon and rice cakes and it's just like it's not it's not appealing to me like no no and even if if that's the people you're following yeah, and even like myself, and um, like I did a nutrition co- a nutrition masters. I did a exercise and health course like yourself, and even I like yeah. sometimes I'm thinking right, like you know, with COVID was a, a a tough time mentally for everyone. So you know, you might have a, a few more takeaways and stuff. And I'm just finding that it yeah. doesn't really work for me to just go all out. I can get really fit and in good shape fast. So now yeah, I'm, and more and more to just get something sustainable by either just you know walking more or hitting your 10,000 steps or just um, maybe just eating more cleverly like portion control and you know not eating after eight o'clock yeah, yeah simple strategies like that and there's, 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 there's so many of them I, I like the one not eating after eight o'clock I like the time restricted eating for certain people you know like there's a plan that suits everybody but there's no perfect plan no. You know, and as a strategy that suits everybody, but you know, there's not a perfect strategy. And I, I like the idea that, and, and this is the psychology of the factors around food. Like, you could be a comfort eater and you want to start a nutrition plan, 
and then you you list down the foods that you like and i see uh tang plastics i see crisps chocolate blah blah, blah. straight away i'm like alarm bells this is a comfort eater you know yeah. and if i turn around to her now it's like i'm gonna eat chicken and rice now every meal for the next 12 weeks she no. is going or he is going to be a disaster you know so if i can be like okay i will go next week do your food diary and then i'm like oh that's a good day good day oh what happened here and then you, you ask him and it's like oh, i just had a bad day and then they're like okay we need to put in a strategy we need to put in a meal for you for that bad day that gets rid of your cravings and comforts you and that's that's, that's their strategy that's you know? such a good approach that like and um, no no one tool fixes every problem like you know but the thing I, I i'm after taking from everything you're saying is basically don't give up and like be hungry and yeah. If, oh. if a toy trainer didn't work for you go to b if he didn't work go to c go the whole way down if like uh talking about your feelings didn't work with a type person go the whole way down as well if going to a nutritionist didn't work for you go to a dietitian go to someone else they it's it's just don't give up yeah. just keep pushing and eventually you will get what you want yeah 100% 100% there is a person out for you that you will resonate with and you will get the results with that person 100%. Ian, thanks very much for coming on. It's been a, a great podcast. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to yourself and getting all your knowledge and I'm sure our listeners will really benefit from uh, listening to yourself and myself just hash things out. Um, but for anyone listening who is afraid to talk, just like, like Dean and I spoke, just get it out there. Just speak to someone and don't give up. Just keep, keep plugging away. Thanks, Dean. Thanks a million for having me on.